Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. We're starting a new series, and I'll explain what that is in just a minute. Let's start with a couple verses from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So right now, you guys, we're starting a new series and it's in the season of Lent. Everybody know what Lent is. okay? so this past Wednesday, uh, over at Starbucks, right across the street, there were some guys from the Anglican church and they were putting the, the, the charcoal on people's heads. And so you go around with a smeared thing. And, and if you're not from a high church background, you don't always know, hey, what, what is that? What's going on there? Well, Lent is a time that we kind of recalibrate to Jesus. Recalibrate our lives to God. And so as a church, we've been doing some prayer and fasting the last couple days. And so seeking God, man, we had an incredible uh, worship night here. Just went for it for several, a couple hours. And, and, uh, but there's lots of different ways that you can participate in Lent. It's, Lent just means it's from the ancient church would uh, fast or, or, or let go of some things in order to reorient to Jesus. And so it's from uh, Ash Wednesday, 40 days, not including Sundays. And it leads up to Easter. That's, that's the Lent thing. That's where that comes from. So that's a little bit of insight there. On the electronic version of your notes, and if you want to check online later, and don't 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 look, try to find it right now. But uh, but I, I've been uh, there's other ways to fast besides food, and we're about to eat, so that's awesome. We're excited to eat, but uh, but there's other ways to fast besides food, and aren't you glad to hear that? Like during Lent, you can fast some other things. So I got a bunch of ideas from Alicia Brent. Britt Cole, who wrote a book called 40 Days of Decrease that I'm reading right now. 40 Days of Decrease, less of us, more of Jesus, right? So it's things like, um, today we're going to fast regrets. I'm going to fast all my regrets, okay? Or I'm going to fast avoidance of things that I, something I know I ought to do. I'm going to fast avoiding that and do it. Does that make sense? I thought, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's some good stuff. I'm going to fast Spiritual profiling. That's where I underestimate somebody else based on something I see about them. They're too young. They're too old. They're too. They're different race. They're different nationality, ethnic background, social deal, different uh, uh, college. Ooh, that, that's challenging. <laughs> Not going to look down on them because they go to Baylor or you know Texas or whatever. So. That's the idea there. We're going to fast stinginess, spectatorship, appearances, facades, that kind of thing. And the whole point there is just reorienting our lives to Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today is reorienting to Jesus. And we're in this new series called The Journey to the Cross. Jesus' whole life was a journey to the cross. He was the lamb slain before the creation of the world. And so he's on this on this journey. And the way we're going to look at this series um, is we're going to do it by looking at the mountaintop teachings of Jesus or the mountaintop experiences of Jesus. And the Sermon on the Mount this week, next week, then we're going to do 
the Mount of Transfiguration. Then we're going to do a couple messages on the Mount of Olives, that discourse in John 13 through John 17. We'll do a message on the Temple Mount as Jesus comes back to the Temple, Palm Sunday. So that's kind of where we're going leading up to Easter. Does that make sense? Okay. And mountaintops, though, are also a place of revelation. You, you go up to the mountain, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, I can't think of the actor's name from Ten Commandments. Uh, Charlton Heston goes up on the mountain, you know, and he comes down, his hair's blowing in the wind, you know, and he's gotten a revelation. Moses got a, I should actually just say Moses, should Kim's like, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> so he got a revelation and he comes down. That's what happens on mountaintops. And so you've got Moses, Elijah, Jesus, all getting revelation on the, on the mountain. There's a straight line, really, from Moses to Jesus because Moses gets the law and then Jesus is clarifying the whole thing. He's re he's clarifying. He's making it make sense. He's reorienting our lives to the true heart of what this thing is about. And I'm hoping to to get there today. And for us, you guys, as followers of Jesus, Jesus is always the starting point. Okay, we get off track when he's not the starting point for us, because, you know, you can look at the Bible and you can go, well, I think this and this and this and this. But God comes and he says, this is the revelation of who I am. Jesus Christ is God's self-revelation of himself. To see me is to see the father. No one has ever seen the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. He is the image of the invisible God. To see me is to see the father. Don't, Philip, don't you know you've been looking? What I do is what the father's doing. What I say is what I've heard the father saying. He is, uh, in just the most wonderful way, the prototype of humanity for us. This is how he wants to empower us to live. So he shows us what God is like. He shows us what the triune relational God of love is like. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He shows us how to understand the Scriptures. He shows us what we are supposed to be like in our humanity. He shows us what our purpose is supposed to be. He shows us... Uh, he shows us what justice should look like, what God's doing. He shows us the way to live. That's Jesus for us. And so one of the ways he does that in the, in the Sermon on the Mount is he shows us what the law is about. And he shows us what the scriptures are about. And he uses this phrase that I've entitled this message, but I tell you, but I tell you, you thought it was one way and you understood the word one way, but I'm telling you the way it really is. He's authoritative in interpreting Scripture for us and helping us to understand God's heart. We were praying this morning and somebody uh, had a pictures. We're praying in there in the, in the prayer meeting before the first service. And it was of a helicopter, like a life flight thing, landing on a, just on the top of a hospital. And it just helped me to clarify for you guys what this message is doing. And it's about relationships. It's ultimately... Everybody's got relationships in this room. Father, son, mother, brother, dad, you know, kids, friends at school, you know, all these different relationships. And, and sometimes they're great and sometimes they get wonky and sometimes we can't, it's hard to even see how do we how do we move forward in this? It's kind of a mess. Sometimes there's timing involved in it getting worked out. Sometimes as far as it depends on you, that's all you can do is you humble yourself and try to make it right. And you can't you can't change how they're going to respond. But, but there's a relational piece I think we're going to see. Like, it's, it's fresh for me. 
you know, in looking at the Sermon on the Mount. So here's the main thing today is that the journey to the cross means reorienting life to Jesus. And the key part here today is into relationships and to his power that's at work in us to change lives. So that's that's the good news. That's where we're going. First point here is this. But I tell you, Jesus says, but I tell you means reorienting to Jesus. Let's look at some of these verses here. He says this over and over again, and it's authoritative when he does. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, you've heard it said, don't murder. Verse 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Down there on the adultery passage, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so it's a reinterpretation, authoritative. Divorce. You know, you must not get a divorce, or anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Oaths. Again, you've heard it said, do not break your oath, but keep your oath that you've made to the Lord. But I tell you, don't even swear at all, either by heaven or earth or by the footstool or the city or the great king. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no. The eye for an eye piece. You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other. And then this one, man, this is like the whoosh, blow your mind. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Wow. Radical reorientation and the people are getting it because you follow the Sermon on the Mount all the way to the very end and he finishes when Jesus had finished John chapter excuse me Matthew 7 28 when he had finished saying these things the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law so the way the teachers of the law would do is they'd say well you know Rabbi Hillel says such and such Rabbi so-and-so says this. And Rabbi so-and-so over here says this. And Jesus comes on the scene and He says, hey, here's the Word, here's the law, but I tell you, wow. There's authority there. And there's a reason why there's authority. And He is the Son of God. And there's authority in His words because He lives a totally dependent life on the Father. So His words are only expressions of what the Father has said to Him. That's That's authority. That's being so connected. He's living by the life of another and he's expressing that. So there's there's authority in his words and what he says and, and how he says it. There's authority in his actions. OK, so he goes out and he's only doing what he sees the father doing. He's healing. He's delivering. He's casting out demons. He's he's setting people free from oppression. He's bringing them out of darkness and into light, out of death and into life. There's authority in his words, in his actions and then probably the biggest just mic drop of all walk off the stage is that there's authority in his resurrection. In the resur- there's a vindication there of everything Jesus says and does. It's vindicated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is declared with power to be the son of God through his resurrection from the dead. Isn't that amazing? So just absolutely marked by authority and what Jesus when we look at Jesus 
what we're going to see is that Jesus reveals his relationship with his father in the spirit. Arguably, the center of the New Testament is that we didn't know what God was like. The Pharisees studied the Hebrew scriptures way more than we will ever study them. And they missed him when he was standing in front of them. We don't know what God is like apart from Jesus Christ. He is God going, this is what I'm like. He's the self-revealing of God, of himself to the world. So it's, it's huge. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and starts talking about, I'm the son of God, the fa- God is my father, and, and I have this relationship with him in the spirit. When the baptism happens and the father says, this is my son whom I love with him, I'm well pleased and the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him like a dove. You're seeing this relational God, I mean, who is in this way at his very, very core relational. He is a God of communion, of fellowship from all eternity. The father's been the father, the son's been the son and the spirit's been the spirit from all eternity. Now, that's really good news for us as we try to describe God in the, you know, we, we get our eyes off Jesus and start saying he's like, oh, he's like this over here. And we need this grounding. I mean, Jesus could have come on the scene and said, hey, everybody, gather around. Hey, come on around. I'm, I'm, here, I got a message for you. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. He is omnipresent. God is infinitude. God is infinite. God is just. God is, and we could come up with all these words, God is indescribable, and you're just, it's like, that's not what he did though, did he? He came on the scene and said, I'm revealing God to you. He's just like I am. And he's a a relational God of love. And this, this is a huge piece for us to get in the West. Because we are so oriented to individualism that to think about God being community from all eternity is a, you know, I thought it was about me. And it is. I thought salvation was about me. And it is. But it's about us. It's always been about community. About every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. You see, the church, this people, This people in the Messiah, in the Lord Jesus Christ, are Jew and Gentile together. It used to be hidden. People say, no way, it's about the Jews. It can't be about everybody. But Paul comes on the scene in Ephesians 3 and says, no, it's been revealed now. The mystery is out of the bag. And that is that we are one people together. And even though in the West we are mind-bogglingly individualistic, we are actually called, and this is a subversive message here, It's subversive because we're subverting our individualism and saying that we belong together in Jesus Christ. It's it's like, wow. You know, so that's what's going on here. We reorient to Jesus is reorienting to community. It's reorienting to understanding God's being. His very being is relational. I'm going to do it to you again anyway. Stand up. I need a here's Vanna. Y'all give it up for Vanna. And I need one more. Michael Hernandez, come on. So just you guys were on the front row, the first ones I saw. So, so we've got two, come here. So, so we could say all kinds of things about these guys. Michael, he's a, he's a cool guy. He was, he's from New York City. Got a little Cuban background action happening. And then we could say that she's 
beautiful. She's fine. <laughs> she is H-O-T. And, and, um, so we could say things like that that are descriptive things, right? But here's the deal. To get down to the core of people, to get down to the core of who these people really are, their being, we have to start talking about their relationships. Okay? So Michael's relationship with his parents, Michael's relationship with his siblings, Michael's relationship with with his friends in the, in the college ministry, Michael's relationship with his friends in the church life at CFDS, uh, Kim's relationship with her dad and her mom and, and her husband and her children. I mean, we can't say who we are apart from that. That at, just down at the being level of who we are. And that's what I'm saying about God. We can't, we can't, you don't just skip to the omnis and all that stuff. You have to, there's not something behind who Jesus reveals God to be in his being as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Y'all give it up for them. Amen. So just absolutely huge. I'm really trying to just pound in on this relational thing, right? And that's what the next point. So when you reorient to Jesus, you see that this is the way God is, and that leads to another deeper statement, and that is, but I tell you, means reorienting to relationships. And this is the part that was just fresh for me. I hadn't seen this before this week, and that was that the Sermon on the Mount, I've always talked about it being a heart level thing. He's going for the heart. He wants to change us from the inside out. But every single one, when I started looking at these but I tell you statements, what I realized that I hadn't seen was that every single but I tell you statement is about relationships. So I'm looking through the lens of Jesus and I'm seeing God is a God of relationships. Now I'm looking at the Sermon on the Mount and I'm going, this whole thing's about relationships. But I tell you, if you're angry, he's speaking to anger and that's about people, right? Other people, anger. Uh, lust is about people. It's about dehumanizing others. You know, it's about relationships with people. A, a divorce, adultery, it, it's about people. The, the oath thing, letting your yes be yes, is something you do with people. Uh, turning the other cheek, boom. I don't, uh, but it's about people. Loving our enemies. It's about people. I, you know, again, you could look at this and you say, well, is this important? Well, yeah, it, it, would, it would revolutionize the world if we lived this way. You know, and it's not just those but I tell you statements. Then I started realizing the whole sermon, the entire thing is about relationships. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn. You've got to be in relationship with other people to mourn, to care. You know, blessed are the, the meek, the gentle. That's about how you relate to one another. You know, the peacemakers, the pure in heart, all of those things, they ultimately have a people relationship expression. I mean, you could, you could pretty quickly track through this and go, oh, okay, now I'm starting to understand why the bottom line is love God and love each other. That's, that's the bottom line. Is that It's all about relationships. It really is. You keep tracking through the Sermon on the Mount, the prayer, forgive as we've been forgiven. All these different things. Where's your treasure? Not worrying. Judging others. The tree that's going to be known by its fruit all has to do with relationships. What kind of house you're building? Is it a weak foundation or is it a solid foundation? It's going to have to do with relationships. Is this making sense? So a huge piece there, and it's just for, for all of us. And we have relationships, and then we have trouble in relationships. And I'm not trying to say bad things like, oh, wow, he was being negative. 
It's not if, it's when. The older people are shaking their heads more than the younger people. It, it's just because it's life. I, I, I don't want it to be something bad that you have to go through, but it's just, it's life. You know, this is, this is life. And so stuff, stuff happens as we go through the journey and stuff that we need, mourning, gentleness, peacemaking, we need to be salt and light. We need to know what it means to be persecuted and how to walk through that. You're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. All of those things are tremendous promises. Promise about anger in my heart. Promise about not retaliating. You know, that's the kind, that's the way we want to relate because I want to, I want to go, uh, and I need to go, you know, turn, that's turning the other cheek. I need to, I, it, there's a peaceful, loving, even to enemies kind of response that the Lord's calling me to. And it is so crazy if we try to do this. How many of you have ever felt like, I can't do this? Okay, it's, it is everybody. I can't do it either. None of us can do this. We, there's only one person that can do this. Okay, and so that's the third point. But I tell you, also points not only to reorienting orienting to relationships, but to a participation, a, an inclusion in the life of Jesus that enables us and empowers us by His Spirit to actually do this. The journey to the cross is all about that journey. The journey to the cross is Jesus becoming a man and Him walking on the earth toward the cross the whole time. And He's going on this journey and it's a downward journey. You think like, like He left unsearchable riches, 2 Corinthians 8 says, in order to become a man. You know, so it's, and he's not finished going down. He humbles himself all the way to death, even death on a cross. So this is, and, and he includes us in this journey with him. He includes us. It's, in fact, if he didn't take on Adam's humanity, there's not, if there's some part of Adam that he didn't take on, then he wouldn't be able to redeem all of us and all of our mess and our brokenness. So he takes it on himself, but he continues to look to the Father always. He's in Adam's flesh and he lives a perfect sinless life dependent on the Father. And so when he gets to the cross over here, what he does with us is take us with him into the grave. This is good news, by the way. He takes us with him into the grave and Adam, old Adam, dies. And then what happens in the resurrection is that, wow, it's loud. It's incredible. It's us having new life. New power, a new existence. We are in Christ, new creation breaking into the world. And it's just, oh my, it's just mind boggling. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful good news that we get included into the life of this, this father son relationship from all eternity. And that was always his plan. Always his plan. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay? From before the creation of the world, his plan was to predestine us and adopt us to sonship in accordance with his pleasure and will. It's just really good news. So that's what's happening from all eternity. His plan was to bring us into this fellowship so that when we look at the Father, we're looking through the eyes of Jesus who's brought us in His life into the Father's very presence. 
into the fellowship of the Spirit. And this, this is at the heart, you guys, of what we believe. We've been brought into His love, into His fellowship, and the ground of this hope is the Father's plan. The ground of this hope is that God's been working this thing out. And the ground of this hope ultimately is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what that means practically is that there's no situation you're going through, there's no hopeless kind of thing that you find yourself in the midst of that Jesus in the power of His resurrection can't deal with. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's mind-blowing. And I think about the parts of the future that I get concerned about, anxious about, concerned about in my relations. It's the part of the future that I'm thinking about that I'm not imagining Jesus there with me. But when I see Jesus there with me, it's going to be all right. And there's always going to be hope. There's always going to be hope for that fractured thing, whatever it is, relationship. And it just gets real practical here because... Jesus, He's the healer. Jesus is the, the peace bringer. Jesus is, it's His love. And so, like Paul says in uh, Colossians chapter 1, that Christ in us, Christ in us is really the hope of everything being changed and made right by the power of His Spirit. Christ in us. And so, uh, I saw a little video just uh, a week or two ago, and we're participating in this thing called Revive Texas, and we're going to be evangelizing and reaching out to our city from Easter to Pentecost, 50 days with other churches. And the leader of this thing, is his name's Kyle Martin. Great guy, humble, loves Jesus. And I was watching a little video of him witnessing to a guy on the street. They had a camera there, and he's sharing his faith with, with, with uh, this guy. And the guy obviously knows the Lord. He does. He's you, prayed he's been baptized he knows the lord but what he doesn't know is that god lives in him he doesn't know that christ dwells in him by the spirit he doesn't know that he's got father son holy spirit fellowship possibility right here on the inside of him and so they pray you know and it's like the light bulb's going off and kyle tells him you can walk with jesus every single day you can respond to the lord every day you can hear him you can walk with him he will lead you and that's the, big, that's the big empowering thing. Participating in God's power, Jesus' power to change lives, is that is the deal for us that we need to stay connected to who He is in us. I realized, I was trying to imagine on Friday, what am I trying to say? I am a conglomeration of all of these circles of relationships. I've got relationships, just, just, you could just imagine big circles of relationships around me. Maybe I could do a chart of it, you know, sometime. But, you know, my, my family relationships, that's a circle here. And then I've got my church relationships, which is also my work. And you would have a, a work vocation relationship as well. We've got our larger church family called Antioch. That's a, that's a relationship. That's a circle that's on me and on us because we're all interconnected with the larger movement. And we're connected with the church in the city. Fort Worth is another circle on us because we all have relationships, or a lot of us do, with different brothers and sisters that are part of other congregations here in the city. And because we're a part of, we're part of God, we're part of them. And they're a part of us. It's amazing. So we start working through this and Jesus is saying, but I tell you, these relationships, they matter. Anger, 
You're mourning. This is how we land this, is that God is a God of relationships who cares how we relate to our friends, who cares how we relate to our parents. He cares how we relate husband and wife together. It matters to God because God's a God of relationship. And He wants to bring us into, out of the individualistic, it's only about me mindset, into a mindset of it's us, God's people, together. All the life groups, all the college life groups, everybody together. We're doing something together. And we're not just doing it with us. We're doing it with the churches in the city. And we're not just doing it with the churches in the city. We're doing it with our larger movement. We're not just doing it with the larger movement. We're doing it with the body of Christ in Texas. And not just Texas, but you get the point. The nation and the nations of the earth. That's our family. Tribe, language, nation, tongue. And He's going to give us the power to have mercy when we need to have mercy. He's going to empower us to forgive when it's time to forgive. And it's time to forgive right now. It's time to show mercy right now. It's time to, if you've got somebody hurting, it's time to mourn right now. That's, that's the relational part of us. You know, I was talking with somebody earlier. He was saying, I just, sometimes the relationships in my circle, they, they hurt so much when something bad goes wrong. And I'm like, that is so, that's so normal. It's normal because it matters to us. Because we love one another. And that's what we're called to. That's what this whole deal is about. And He wants to empower us to love enemies, to forgive. And here's the thing. If God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, then it's possible. That same power that raised Him from the dead is at work in us who believe. And every... just, just I, I'm preaching the big picture, but it's all these relationships that you have, your circles, the, the, the way you're dotted up with different circles of relationships. Some of them doing great right now. Some of them struggling. And God wants to bring breakthrough for us today. Right now, moving forward. In Jesus' mighty name. You guys stand up. Lord, would You do this in our midst. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. Yeah. Father, I, I just ask, Lord, that You would move in our hearts, in our lives today, that You would give us grace from heaven for what's needed right here. And I, I'm going to offer just three, three invitations to come and get prayer. But one is, just if you, if you need to follow Jesus, and you, I don't mean just believe in Him, I mean, you want to be clear about following Jesus Christ as Lord. And from this day forward, then please come and get prayer. That's a big deal. Being clear about, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The second piece is that just, and I've tried to make this clear, all of us struggle in different relationships. And if you're struggling, please come and get prayer. If you need a breakthrough in relationship, please get prayer. Let's, let's let this day be a day of breakthrough for us. And then finally, you just need prayer about anything, healing, something's going on in your life, please come. That's what we do this for. Front's going to fill up. We do this every Sunday. But press into God right here. Be bold right here. We'll take a few minutes to do it. But right now could be the most important part of everything that's happened today. What God wants to do in answer to prayer. So come, get prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.